While the ladies play through a verse here of it, why don't you get a songbook? Turn on page number 238. Get you a book now. 238. We'll wait just a second. Everybody's got a book, and then we'll all stand. Page 238. Everyone's standing tonight because he lives. 238. On the first now. God sent his son. Let's turn around and shake hands and fellowship. There are folk visiting tonight. Get out of your seat. Find them. Welcome.
Aren't you glad he's a living Savior tonight? Amen. Good to have all of you here. and got our Wana people back with us for our services, and their one is off for the summer, so it's good to have them in the midweek service with us now. Joe Williams, you lead us in prayer, if you would, please. Yes, yes. Amen. Let's continue to sing. Page 369. Surely goodness and mercy. 369. A pilgrim was I and a wandering. In the cold night of sin I did roam. When Jesus the kind shepherd found me. so you can sing it with us. He made something beautiful out of my life. Only he can do that too. You try everything else in the world you want to and all these little programs they got and get on the TV and go to those info commercials and things and they'll tell you they can do it for you, but they can't do it like Jesus. He made something beautiful. All right, let's do this course together now. 544, all together now. Something beautiful. Hey. 
praise the Lord for that. Amen. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive the offering. And uh, again, I remind you that everything you give on Wednesday night goes in support of the Bible conference in the fall. And believe it or not, we're just a few months away, about two and a half months away. And so we're going to have to start getting ready for it and start working for it and things. And so everything that you have given over the past year has been close somewhere around $5,000, just a little under $5,000. And all of that will go to help. Uh, put up folks and preachers and their wives and different guests coming in, allow them for, to get away for a week and whatever. I think the motel bill last year was somewhere around $5,300. So uh, this is really going to meet the need, and I appreciate you giving it, and it saves us from having to raise so many rooms at the end of the year. But let me encourage you to every week now over the next few weeks to uh, drop something in and drop something special in. That way we'll be able to do more for others we don't take care of everybody's lodging that comes in but uh, certain ones that we invite in and that number grows every year and and so you the more you give us the more we'll be able to extend our generosity too so you give tonight and the Lord will bless you for it and pray much about your giving over the next couple of weeks and uh, you've been giving so good to so many things Lord willing Lord willing and uh, creeks don't rise I'm hoping they'll be able to get started on a construction next week it's all going through permits and that kind of stuff we'd already been started and they're trying to get all that but lord willing lord willing maybe sometime next week they'll be breaking ground on that and so it's going to be exciting as we see things start to happen but you be faithful in your giving and the lord bless you father we thank you now for all your blessings and we thank you for what you did in our life and we not only thank you lord for what you did for us a number of years ago but for that constant work that goes on in our heart and that constant work of growing us. And we thank you so much. Let this service tonight be a growing service for this church and help us to focus tonight upon the goals and the vision you've given us and to be dedicated toward those purposes in order to reach others for Christ. Thank you, Lord, for our Bible conference and what it means to us year after year, and not only for what it means to our church, but for what it means to so many around this country. So I ask you to bless those who give because in their giving, they are being a blessing to others. So bless the offering tonight and the reason for which it is given. In Jesus' name, amen. Wandering the hillside of complacency. 
license see grazing in apathetic fields drinking from still waters of indifference so far from the shepherd's wheel and he cries as he hears the silence of the land heaven's eyes look on in tears at the dead of our concern for man the created failed to fulfill the Creator's perfect plan, and He cries as He hears the silence of the land, wanting His flock to be obedient. Wishing they'd beckon to his call. The shepherd longs to drive their pathway, but they don't follow him at all. And he cries as he the silence of the land. Heaven's eyes look on in tears at the lack of our concern for man. The created failed to fulfill the Creator's perfect plan. He cries as He hears silence of the land the created failed to fulfill the creator's perfect land and he cries as he hears the silence of the land Yes, he cries as he hears the silence. Amen. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. And Proverbs chapter 18, two verses of Scripture, Acts chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 18. What a blessing to see these young people serving the Lord. And, uh, but honestly, I listen to Daniel sing, it depresses me. I remember when he was born, it makes me feel old. But then I look out here and see Sylvia in Wednesday night services and it lifts my heart. I mean, God knows how to balance things out, amen. <laughs> oh, me. Sylvia, glad you could be here tonight. Amen. Let's stand as we honor the reading of his word, Acts 2, verse 47, and also Proverbs 18 and verse 24. And I, I want to begin tonight, and for several Wednesday nights, I want to just deal with little things and that I believe are keys to becoming a growing church. As we move into fall, we're going to do a lot of things built around themes. And we're going to begin building more around themes, Sunday school around themes and different things as we move on into the month. And different things is a constant process of growing and, and developing directions and ideals and things we're going. But uh, this one theme that we'll deal with for Wednesday night is becoming a growing church. And, and again, in the fall, as we move into fall, we're going to deal with different themes, August I've already set aside that as a time of the month that we're going to deal with 
uh, home improvement month, and we're going to be, I'll be preaching on the home for a month, and then we're going to be having classes on Wednesday night dealing with different areas and uh, different things like that. You'll be seeing more of that in the bulletins to come and trying to provide more in the teaching and training areas and things like that. But I want us to think about becoming a growing church. And tonight in particular, I want us to focus upon the matter of a growing church is a friendly church. A growing church is a friendly church. Now let me read you two verses of Scripture, and then I'll set the stage for what I'm going to share with you tonight because it's going to be quite different than anything that I've ever shared with you before. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, we have a verse we'll get familiar with over the weeks to come. But the Scripture says, praising God, and having favor with all the people. And here's the statement that I want you to notice. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. In other words, what was going on in the early church was a daily matter of God adding to the church. People were being saved every day. The impact of their ministry and the impact of what God was doing there was bringing people into the church every day. Day. There was a growing church. I look in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, and this will serve as the uh, starting place or the uh, spearhead for what I want to share with you tonight. But in Proverbs 18, verse 24, the scripture said that a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, we often use that statement, sticketh closer than a brother, to refer to the Lord Jesus, and it does describe Jesus. But here Peter, or not Peter, but here Solomon is, uh, I said Peter because Peter sounds so much like Solomon. And Solomon here, he uh, is talking about building relationships and building the kind of relationship that is even stronger than the ties and the bonds between brothers. But he said, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Thank you. you may be seated. Let's pray. And tonight, for just a few moments, let's think about this matter of becoming a growing church. And a growing church is a friendly church. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father, tonight in Jesus' name, as we gather here tonight, we come to you. We thank you for what you've done for us in the past. We thank you, Lord, for the history of this church and for the number of years that you have honored uh, the work here. And for the number of years, Lord, in which this church has had some measure of blessing, and we thank you for it. And Father, we thank you for what we enjoy today. We thank you, Lord, for the things that you are teaching us. We thank you, Lord, for the things that you are showing us. We thank you, Lord, for the foundations that you are laying in these days foundations upon which you will build a great structure in the years to come. Father, we thank you for what you're doing, and we ask you, Lord, that as a body of believers, that you'd open our hearts to your direction in our life and where you want to go and what you want to do with this church. May we be open to necessary change if necessary change or change is necessary. Lord, may we be open to new ideals. Lord, may we be faithful to your word and faithful to the truth of God and faithful to the basic principles of the Scripture. But Lord, help us to understand the methods whereby we're to achieve your work and to better equip ourselves to do what you want us to do to reach this generation. So Father, I pray now as we take the next few weeks and think about a growing church and becoming a growing church, Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church to glean things that will help us, Lord, in doing what we've been called of God to do. So bless this room tonight and those that are here, and we'll thank you and praise you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Again, for a few Wednesday nights or several Wednesday nights, I want to talk with you about things that I feel like are absolutely essential for Temple Baptist Church to grow. And I'm so glad we have our Awana workers in here tonight and so many of you that normally miss our Wednesday night service and we bring you in here together and we can all glean together over the next several weeks. But I want to say right up front, I want you to understand that the things I'm going to share with you are going to be very different than my ordinary approach, approach to preaching. Most of the time, as you know, I've kind of got locked into my own little style. It's, there's many different ways to preach. My style is not necessarily the right way or the wrong way or the only way. It's just the way I do it. And I've basically, through the years, have developed what I am comfortable with. And, you know, I have three points and I have a few little points there and whatever there. And usually what I do is I'll take a text and whatever my thought is, whatever my subject is, I try to keep it within that text 
and to take the text and try to develop that thought or just uh, take the text and let the text itself develop the thought. But that's basically how I do things, and that's my style of preaching, as you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But what I'm going to do for the next several weeks is going to be absolutely contrary, con in a contrast to that. It's going to be totally different. It is going to be out of the ordinary. It's going to be minus my outlines. It's going to be minus my subpoints. It's going to be minus my normal way of doing things. I guess the best way that I could describe what I'm going to do for the next several weeks is I'm going to take this auditorium and I'm going to turn it into a classroom. And I wanted to treat the services in here and treat you that are in the services just like I would if we were back here in some kind of course or training class or different things like that. I'm going to approach it the same way that I would if we were meeting together as a group and focusing upon a particular ministry, whether it be prayer ministry or whatever it be like that. So I want you to understand that I'm going to do things totally different. But there's a reason behind it. And that's to share with you things that I believe it is absolutely essential to help us to grow. But at the very beginning, I want to say four things. And we'll put them on the screen here. It's what I want to simply call church growth realities. Now, I want you to take your prayer sheet, and I want you to flip it over to the blank side, get your pen out, and I want you to make notes. You're in a class now. You can take your chewing gum out. Put it on the bottom of your shoe. <clears throat> but I want, you to, I want you to write down some things, and there'll be several things I want you to write down tonight. But at the very beginning, at the very outset, and you're going to get familiar with these four things over the next several weeks, I want to call them church growth realities. But I want you to learn them. You are going to hear them. I am going to repeat them over and over again each Wednesday night until we begin to see these four things. First of all, I want to say that we can have a growing church. When I talk about the matter of growing as a church, I want to say, first of all, that we can have a growing church. I have no doubt in my mind Temple Baptist Church can be a growing church. I have no doubt in my mind that this body of believers can experience growth. And we'll talk about the kind of growth in a moment that the Bible describes. But I do believe that, first of all, we can have a growing church. In fact, there have been very few places I've ever been in that I felt like maybe they had no potential for growth. I think about a church somewhere down around Varnell, somewhere down that direction, and it's not named due to its, uh, the church itself, but it's named due to its community. But the name of the church is Little Prospect Baptist Church. Well, I want to say that we, it's not a matter of Little Prospect. This Temple Baptist Church, and I want you to understand something tonight, we can have a growing church. Do you believe that? That's number one. Number two, we should want to be a growing church. We can be a growing church. I believe that. I'm firmly convinced of that. But second of all, we should want to be a growing church. You see, it's, it's, there's the potential of being a growing church, and there is the probability of being a growing church, but I want you to understand something. If we don't want to grow, we won't grow. And if a church doesn't desire to grow, it will not grow. And I could say other things and we'll learn in the days to come. Uh, certain, certain churches grow, why some churches grow, why some don't grow. It has a lot to do, but it really boils down to how much that church wants to grow. Whether or not a church is willing to take some risk at times, it all depends on whether or not they want to grow. And whether a church is willing to step out by faith and do what that it seems at the moment they are impossible for them to do, all depends on whether or not they want to grow. But first of all, we can have a growing church. And second of all, we should want to be a growing church. And thirdly, we should become a growing church. Not only can we grow, not only should we want to grow, but may I say thirdly, we ought to be growing. Every church, I believe this, ought to be experiencing some kind of growth. Now, some may grow more than others, but we ought to be a growing church. And we ought to be growing because, look, if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not growing, you're dying. You take your own life, for, its, for example. When you stop growing, what begins to happen? You're beginning the process of dying. And a church, it may take some... It's, for some churches, it be, may be a matter of one or two years... For another church, it may be 10 years or 20 years, but when a church stops growing, it begins a process of dying. So we ought to be growing. We can grow, we should desire to grow, and we should be a growing church. And may I say, fourthly, we should settle for nothing less than a growing church. We can grow, we should want to grow, we can and we should become a growing church, and there's reasons why we ought to be a growing church. 
But may I say, last of all, and with special emphasis, we should settle for nothing less than a growing church. Are you with me now? We should settle for nothing less than a church that is growing. I don't care what it takes, that's what we got to do. I don't care how much money it involves, that money's not the issue, it's doing the work of God. And we should say that we are not settle for anything less but a church that is growing. We won't say no. We won't take no. This is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to go. And we'll settle for nothing less than a growing church. Now those four things, I would call them church growth realities. But I understand when I talk about church growth that the simple honest truth is that most churches are fizzling rather than sizzling. Not many churches you go into do you find them growing. And Ken Hemphill in the book The Antioch Effect said the brutal truth is that church growth is not keeping pace with population increases. And he said that total members in U.S. churches increased by 29% in 1960 to 1990 while the population increased by 39%. And I would say in 1960 the church was already behind in reaching the population. And as the years passed by we're getting further and we're getting further and we're getting further and further and further behind. The bottom line is most churches are not growing. There are some that are growing and there are a good number that are growing, but the majority of churches in this country are not growing. I point you to the Word of God. And you'll find that the early church was an example of church growth. I put the scripture upon the screen. Acts chapter 2 verse 47. We looked at it a moment ago. Is our text verse. The Bible's talked about praising God, talking about the people, their attitude. They were praising God. They had favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. There was addition going on. The church was growing. The church was being added to by God. Look at this, write this reference down. It's on the screen, Acts 5, 14. And the believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. Not only was the Lord adding to the church daily, but Acts 5 clarifies it and said the believers were more added to the Lord, multitudes of men and women. The church is growing. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 21, another reference, the Bible said the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. And I could give you many other references, but in all three of those verses in the book of Acts, you find the early church experiencing growth. Now what kind of growth was it they were experiencing? Well, I point out that there was basically two ways in which they was growing. One, there was numerical growth and second of all, there was spiritual growth. Or to put it another way, what you saw in the early church and the growth that was being experienced by the early church was one, you were seeing the salvation of the sinner and two, the maturation of the saint. You were seeing sinners brought into the family of God. You were seeing people saved. When the Bible said the Lord added to the church, that's another way of saying that people were getting saved. You see, God does the saving. I can't save anybody. This church can't save anybody. It is the Lord that does the adding to His church. But there were people getting saved. Sinners, there was the salvation of sinners. And the result was as lost people were being saved, brought into the church, they were experiencing phenomenal numerical growth. There was numerical growth in the church. But not only numerical growth, but there was also not only the salvation of sinners, but there was spiritual growth or you might say the maturation of the believer or the saint. That is, the believers, the people were getting saved, were maturing. And they were growing spiritually. Numerical growth in the church, but spiritual growth in the church. See, people were being brought into the church, but they were doing more than bringing in the church and creating a crowd. They were bringing people in the church and doing something with the people that were brought into the church. They were not using people to get the job done. They were using the church to do something for people and with people. There was a maturing of the people of God, the building of their life, and the result was the people that were being brought in that church were experiencing something in their life. They were growing. They'd been brought in the family of God, and as they came in the church, they found themselves hearing things that helped them to be what they should be. They found themselves learning things that equipped them to be able to live day by day and to meet the needs of their life. There was the salvation of the sinner and the maturation of the saint. Well, I want to say this tonight, that I believe this. That I believe this. If I didn't believe this, and if I didn't act this way, one, y'all to fire me, two, all to quit. But I do believe this, that I believe that we at Temple Baptist Church can see and experience this kind of growth. Are you with me? I wasn't sure. I, I thought maybe you're going to sleep. 
Uh, I believe that we can see this kind of growth. I believe there can be numerical growth. I believe there can be spiritual growth. And I believe that those two are the kind of growth that you ought to have. If we're, uh, and I, I believe sometimes the reason churches don't grow is because all they do is focus upon new, on numbers and all they want is numerical growth. But I want you to understand something. The reason we want to get folks in church and the reason we want to bring more people in church is one, we want to see them say, and two, we want to see God do something with their lives. And that's why we want more people in. Because the more people get saved means the more people are going to heaven. And the more people that grow in the grace of God means there are more people serving God. And that even gets more people into heaven. So it's a whole matter of, of having a divine purpose, which is the biblical purpose of what the church of Jesus Christ is all about. But I do believe that we can experience this kind of growth at Temple Baptist Church. Well, what does it take? Well, I think about a story I read this week. I love this story. I, I get stories all the time, but I, I haven't got a story. A friend of mine in Kentucky sent this to me, and I think this is the best story I've read in a long time. It, it, it's about a, this back way back in the deep backwoods, back in the mountains, back in the hollers and the hills. There was a woman that went into labor and right in the middle of the night. So the doctor was sent for, and he come riding up on his horse and whatever like that, and his wagon, whatever, got up in there. And since there was no electricity, he told the father-to-be to hold a lantern up where he could see what he was doing. So the father-to-be held a lantern up while the doctor delivered the baby. And in a little while, a big baby boy was born. And that father, he, father, that new father, he was grinning from ear to ear. He had a big baby boy. And he started to set the lantern down, reach over and take the baby. And the doctor said, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. Don't put that lantern down too quick. I believe there's another one coming. And in a few minutes, another baby was born. And the doctor said, before you set that lantern down, he said, I believe we still got one more in here. And a third baby was born. Well, this dad's sitting there all the time, and he's kind of hey, he's scratching his head in bewilderment. He finally looked at the doctor, and he said, do you think it's the light that's attracting them? <laughs> well, I'll, some of you catch that in a little while, amen. <clears throat> well, I think about churches and churches that attract people. Why? Why is it that some churches seemingly, and you, and you know, you see some church and, and they just seem to have the ability to track people. It seems like there's something about them that just draws people. There's something about them that has great attraction to people and whatever. What is it that attracts people? I believe one thing, and I, and I want to focus upon tonight, and I'll be through in just a few moments, is the matter of friendliness. I believe that one, it's not the only thing, and each one of these things, we look at them every week, they will not be the only thing. But I do believe this, that I believe one of the elements that makes a church attractive is that church is a friendly church. I do not believe a church that is unfriendly will ever grow. Look at Proverbs 18, 24. We read it a moment ago that a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Paul, or rather Solomon, I can't get Solomon straight tonight. I, I'm all mixed up. I'll even have Hitler in here for it's over with. But anyway, Solomon tells us that a man that has friends is somebody that is a friend. Now look at the statement. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. The word friendly that is used here is an interesting word. I was uh, somewhat uh, touched when... Uh, Excited when I read about this word and began to study this word friendly. You know what the word friendly that is used by Solomon literally means? It literally means to tend a flock. It's a shepherd's term. A man, that must, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. That is, a man who has friends must be someone that tends a flock. A man that has friends is somebody that... And the, the idea behind the word tending a flock was providing pasturage for that flock or to provide grazing for that flock. It's like a shepherd. One of the things, and the shepherd and the sheep are attached to that shepherd because this is the one that takes care of them. He leads them from field to field and from grazing to grazing, whatever, and from water hole to water hole there. And he cares about those sheep. He watches over those sheep. And you might say he's friendly to those sheep. He puts himself into the sheep and he pours himself into the sheep. And the result is those sheep are attached to him. Well, Paul Solomon here tells us that a man that has friends is somebody that involves themselves in others as if they were a shepherd and they were sheep. Now, a lot of times we wonder, well, I don't have any friends. I'm going to be right honest with that. If you don't have any friends, it's because you're not a friend. If you don't have any friends, it's been, if you don't have any, well, nobody loves me. Nobody wants to be around me. That may be, there may be some other problems there. But uh, nobody, you don't have any friends. Nobody wants to have anything to do with you. You mark it down. You hadn't had anything to do with others. 
And you hadn't really poured yourself in others. You hadn't tended a flock. You've went through life living your own little selfish ways and looking and building your whole world around yourself and you totally forgot everybody else and the result is you don't have any friends. You only know who has friends? It's somebody that looks at other people and people around them and they're not objects and they're not ladders to climb on to get to where they want to go. They're a sheep. And they pour themselves into them and they take care of it. In other words, what Solomon was saying here, and I believe the principle can be applied to a church, that how we treat other people is very, very, very important. And I believe how we treat people when they visit our church may determine whether or not they'll come back and eventually maybe become a part of our church. It may not be the only factor. They may not come back because of the preaching. They may not come back because of our style of music. They may not come back because of the length of our services. Can I get an amen right there? It may be something else. You finally woke up. I mean, you responded to something. Amen? I really touched your heart on that one. But uh, they may not come back for that. But I'll guarantee you one thing. How we treat people may have a part and a very important part in whether or not this church appeals to them. Nobody wants to go to an unfriendly church. I remember years ago, I visited a church. We had gone on our vacation and had a death, and I had to fly back, come back in for the funeral. And so I drove up to Greenville, North Carolina, went into a service. It's a large church. And a church that you see advertised a lot, and a well-known church and whatever. And so I, had to, I went into the services there and because I had, couldn't get a flight out to early the next morning. So I went in, and I sat in that auditorium that night, and not one person shook my hand. Not one person spoke to me. Not one person even had anything to say with me. And I went out there thinking, this is, and I enjoyed the message, enjoyed the services. But I went out there thinking, this is the most unfriendly church I've ever been in my life. And to be honest with you, I had it never really appealed to me. Like I enjoyed the message or whatever there. But what I'm saying tonight is how we treat people may be an important factor whether or not they'll come back. Now get your pen. I want you to write down some very, very, very simple things. Some things I want you to remember. Some things to remember about being friendly. You want to grow tonight? All right, then we want to learn how to be friendly. Am I not right? We want to learn how to be friendly. Let me help you tonight. And let's try to learn as a class tonight how we can become friendly. Well, first of all, write this down. Each member must be involved in the process of being friendly. You see, a church is not one big old member. A church is individual members. This church is made up of every person that belongs to it. It's made up of you and you and you and you and you. It is a number of members. And when it comes to the matter of being friendly, and I'll explain to you why, why every, every, every member must be involved in the process of being friendly. But we are individual members, and each individual must be involved in this process of being friendly. Second of all, one unfriendly member can create the impression that we're an unfriendly church. You see, you've heard that little saying, you never get a second chance to make a first impression, and that is absolutely the truth. Sunday school studies and church studies have found that a person will make up their mind in the first seven minutes when they go to a church whether or not they're going to go back to that church. They will make up their mind in the first seven minutes whether or not they're going to go back. Well, when it comes to this matter of being friendly, everybody has to be involved in the process of being friendly because one unfriendly member could create the impression in the first seven minutes that we or any other church is an unfriendly church. And you mark it down. Here's a couple here that maybe has the potential of becoming great church members. Maybe we've been praying about it Praying, God, would you send us here? We've got this work over here, these needs over here, and we need somebody to lead us in these areas. We need somebody to work these areas. And maybe God's in the process of sending that people to us and bringing them into us, and they come in, the devil knows that. You mark it down. What he's going to do is put the grouchiest church member we've got in their pathway on Sunday morning. Am I not right? Yeah, I know it, and I'm, and I'm thinking of four or five of you right now. Say Amen. But one church member, one church member, an unfriendly church member could leave the impression, therefore, every member has to get involved in this process. Three, I want you to understand and remember that being friendly starts the moment you arrive at church. That's not to say that you should not be friendly at home. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm talking about being friendly here, and it starts the moment you arrive. 
It's not a matter, I want you to block out this thing that I'm only talking about fellowship time in the church. I'm talking about being friendly. And I'm talking about every one of you being friendly, being friendly by design, being friendly on purpose, having a reason to be friendly because we want to grow. And the first thing we want to do is when people come, we want them to understand that we really care about them, that we really want. It starts the moment you arrive at church. When you pull in the parking lot and get out of your car, that's when being friendly starts. Because it may be that you're going to pass a family in the parking lot. This is their first service to ever visit Temple Baptist Church. Here's a mom, here's a young couple, and they got three little children, stair steps there, got diaper bags hanging off on one arm, and they got this, that, and the other. I mean, the moment you pull in, that's when you start being friendly. And you're friendly as you walk through the parking lot, you are friendly as you come in the front door. You're friendly as you go down the, in the educational buildings down the hall. You're friendly as you go in your class. It is a process of being friendly. Every one of you being friendly because if one of you are not friendly, you could uh, give the impression that we are not a friendly church, but it starts the moment of your ride. And what is being friendly about? Four, write this down. Being friendly involves forgetting yourself and thinking about others. Being friendly involves forgetting yourself and thinking about other people. You know what most of us do when we get out of our cars on Sunday morning? The last thing we're thinking about is anybody else. When we get out of our cars on Sunday morning, the last thing we're thinking about is there anybody here I can minister to? The last thing we're thinking about is there anybody here I can serve? The last thing we're thinking about when we get out of our cars is there anybody here I can help? What we do, we know where we are going, and that's where we go, and we pass people by the dozens as we get to where we're going, and half the time, half speak to, rarely speak to most of them, and never shake hands with most of them, go right to the thing. All we're thinking about is ourselves, and we walk right by people that are visiting, we walk right by people maybe that's went through burdens and trials that week, just a moment of kind work. We walk right by because what we're thinking about is ourselves. But I want you to understand something. This matter of being friendly is more than putting on a smile. The matter of being friendly is forgetting about yourself and thinking about other people. You see, that's what it really I'm after is this church becomes, get out of this, locked into this thing of thinking only about ourselves and let us begin to see outward. See out beyond ourselves and see outside of ourselves. And when we see somebody, here's a, somebody maybe that I can minister to. Here's somebody I can help. Here's somebody I can encourage. Here's somebody today I can be a blessing to. You're forgetting about yourself. Now I'm coming to church saying, well, what am I going to get out of it today? And most people, I've, every once in a while, every once in a while, very rare, but every once in a while, every once in a while through the years, somebody has left. They wasn't getting fed. But I find out nine out of ten times when people make that statement, if you look at their life, they didn't put anything into it to get anything out of it. And because we get so locked in our own little world thinking about our own little self, what am I going to get out of it? What am I getting out of it? I ask you tonight, what are you putting into it? What are you putting into the lives of other people? I find that the way to really get what I need in my life is to forget about my needs and think about somebody else's needs. And it's amazing as you try to meet the needs of others how your own needs get taken care of. Being friendly is forgetting about yourself and think about others. And realize being friendly, is five, is a process of actions and deeds. It's more than a smile. It's a process of actions and deeds. Being friendly starts, as I said, when you get out of your car. You get out of your car, and here's a family. They're visiting. And we're going to help this. In, when we get the, this work out here done, we're going to designate uh, most of this parking over here as visitor parking and designate certain sections with senior citizens and uh, whatever like that. And, but we're going to have designated visitor's parking. And we want to make it convenient for our visitors to get in and be right where everything is and all those kind of things like that. But say you're coming and you pull in the parking lot and here is a family that you have never seen before and you look at them, I don't know them, whatever there. Now what will you do? Will you go straight to your Sunday school class or will you walk out of your way and walk over and introduce yourself to them and meet them? Here's a, as I said, here's a man, here's his wife and three little children. Now their first time they've ever been here, they don't know where anything is. They don't know where the nurseries are. They don't know where the Sunday school classes are. They really don't know where anything is. And you walk right by them, and dozens and dozens of our church families will walk right by them and never one time stop and say to them, we are glad that you are here. We are glad any way that I can help you. You see, the matter of being friendly is more than you smiling. It's actions and deeds. 
We're talking about the caring ministry and, and do all the things that happen and share his mother's sickness and everything. We got behind and we're going to get started be meeting with the caring ministry or the uh, greeters ministry on Sunday night and getting that uh, finalized and kicked into gear and everything. But the greeters ministry, that's basically what their ministry is. But it shouldn't be left to just the greeters. I want every one of you thinking others and building this church and making it a friendly church so that we're all the time thinking about others. It's a process of actions and deeds. You see somebody that is new and you realize, you remember the first time you came here? Did you know where the restrooms were? Did you know where the Sunday school classes were? Did you know where things were? No, somebody had to show you. You I had to learn, wander around till you found it. But uh, what I'm saying is you want to stop and forget about you. Get out of your own little world and think, here's somebody I want to minister to. And walk up to them and, and, and if they need help, take them to the nurseries. Take them to their Sunday school class. Take them into the auditorium. I mean, sometimes get out of your own little system of doing things. And maybe they're new say, hey, why don't you sit with me today? I'm talking about being friendly. It's a process of actions and deeds. Are you understanding what I'm talking about? All right, let me give you another thing. And about eight more things and I'm through. How can I be friendly? How can I be friendly? Well, let me just give you simple little things. Jot them down. I'm not going to say a whole lot about it, but how can I be friendly? One, speak to people you meet. That's real simple. Speak to people you meet. I think one of the most friendly churches, I hadn't thought about this church in years until I was on the telephone talking to a pastor from Virginia was, was talking last night and he mentioned a friend of his and I recognized the name from Hunter First Baptist Church in Elizabeth, Tennessee. Brother Henry Calvert was, was pastor there when uh, I was there a number of years ago. But 101st Baptist Church in Elizabeth and Tennessee uh, is a church that will always be special in my heart because they helped us so much when we were going through school and uh, ministered to us in many ways. Brother Henry Calvert was the pastor. He's with the Lord now. He's on my, he was on my ordination committee and whatever. But I didn't know who was pastoring there, but this pastor mentioned uh, the name and whatever, and I recognized the name. And I said, he's at Hunter, right? And he said, yes. And what we got talking about, but I remember the first time I ever visited Hunter First Baptist Church. We went into Sunday school. Well, we went there a second time. He invited me back. We were getting ready to go to school and was singing there and whatever. And he invited us to come back and he brought me back in and preached on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night when I was in school. But I remember when he came in Sunday school, he told me I could come down to his office and uh, meet him in his office, pastor this, so I come down the hall. But you went down the hall, this, everybody was passing one another, and everybody was greeting one another, and everybody was saying things like, glory to God, praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen, isn't it good to be saved? I mean, everybody. I never forgot that. I never forgot that. Speak to the people you meet. Don't walk by people. I mean, get your nose down. Nobody likes to look up your nose. Speak to people. Be friendly. Are you listening to me? Second of all, shake hands with people. Don't walk by them. Don't ignore people. Shake hands with people. Three, introduce yourself. I can't remember trying, trying to place what church I was in in a meeting, but I was somewhere in a meeting, and, I, and again, I've tried to try to think all week long which church it was. But uh, I never forget, everybody, I believe everybody in that church told me their name. They would walk up to me and say, My name is so-and-so. Everybody, and they did that every night. For the weeks out, I knew the biggest part of their names. Because if I can say somebody's name and, and say it to them and speak their name two or three times and, and just write it on a piece of paper as I walk away, I'll remember that person's name. But all that damn week, they thought about it and they told me and they, they, uh, everybody introduced themselves. And I never forgot that. that it just was so impressive to me. Introduce yourself. I like I said Sunday morning, I said, turn around and introduce yourself. You got a visitor, walk up and say, my name is Ken Trevor. After service, one of our visitors walked up to me and said, your people do what you said. Some fellow walked up to me and said, hi, my name is Ken Trevor. Well, that's not exactly what I mean. That's no lie, that's what he told me. But introduce yourself. But use your name, all right? Introduce yourself. Number four, ask if there's any way you can help them. That's what we talked about a moment ago. Is there any way you can help them? And then five, Take the time to help them. If they need help, take the time to help them. And then six, and this goes into the services, get out of your seat, move around, and greet new people. Get out of your seat. What you do, you get, you get in your own little world, and you kind of get locked in your own little things. And uh, our fellowship times here, boy, they go by just like that. You think, you, you, listen, uh, you think uh, that we're having a rapture when it comes to fellowship time. We have one of the shortest fellowship times of any church I've been in. I mean, was, I mean, a couple play through Amazing Grace twice and you folks are through. 
Your wife can stay right over in here. I said, get out of the aisles. I want you to get out of the aisle. I want you to get out of your seat and walk over and introduce yourself. Take time to help people. Get out and greet new people. Get out of the aisle and, and look around. Look for somebody. Go to your friends. You, most of you know each other, but let them know, hey, good to see you and praise the Lord and, and fellowship for just a moment. But look around. Try to find somebody that's visiting and try to find somebody that is new and go up and introduce themselves and make them feel like they're wanted around here. Because the bottom line is we want them. Is that not right? You say, I don't want them. I said it's Sunday morning. If you don't want them, we don't want you. We want them. Everybody is a gift of God to us. And we want everybody. But get out of your seat. Greet new people. Get out across the aisle. Walk around. I tell you what I'm going to do. I love Kyle. Kyle's my buddy. Comes up, shakes hands with me, hugs me every Sunday morning. But he walks around and shakes hands with everybody. I'm going to get me a chain, tie every one of you to Kyle, and that way I know every one of you is going to get around the building. That way you're going to get out of your seat. Amen? Move around greet new people. Cross the aisle. Walk over. Introduce yourself. Let them know we're glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Make them feel like we really are proud and thankful to God that they honored us by being in the service. Take a moment and let a visitor now know, number seven, how glad you are they are visiting. And number eight, make friendliness a habit. Just let it become a way of life. It's just that way that everybody, that we're a family and a brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we meet each other, how are you doing? Uh, good to see you. Been praying for you this week. How's your sister? How's your brother? How's the children doing? Glad you're here. Good to see you. Any way I can help you? It's just, it's just life. It's a habit. This whole church becomes breathing the matter of caring about other people and reaching out to other people. I'm going to tell you something. If we just live in our own little world and just forget all about people and don't care about them and don't show them that we care, uh, we may grow over a few little bit here and a little bit there. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, if we're not friendly, most people are not going to be attracted to our church. We've always been known as a friendly church, but I'm talking about taking friendliness to realms that we've never known before. Now, will you help me become a friendly church? Will you help me? Will you start tonight before you leave? Fellowship. And so well, I don't like so-and-so. Well, go up to him first of all. This is what you do. First of all, you need to come to Alderman Minute and get right with God. Second of all, go to them and get right with God, and then you'll like them. Everybody. And if it, if it boils down, the whole church don't like you, uh, we'll send you the unlikable class, wherever that is. We'll start a ministry for people that nobody likes, and we'll, we'll help you. But just start it tonight. And just let it be a way of life. I mean, just start thinking this Sunday when you come in. Start thinking. In fact, before you leave tonight, I want you to start looking around and see folks. Make, get, stop. Now, you may be in a hurry to get somewhere, but take a few minutes. You may, may never know this side of heaven what a difference it might make in somebody's attitude about this church. And that person that you may influence may be the one that's just exactly what we need for what we want to do here. And so much. I want us to be more than just a Sunday morning, Sunday night at a Wednesday night church. But it takes people, and that way we got to grow. But be friendly. This coming Sunday, starting even tonight, but especially Sunday, will you start being friendly? Friendly, like I talked about tonight. Will you do that? Let's stand our feet. Look at your prayer sheet. Flip it over on the other side now. Our Church of the Week, our Missionary of the Week, is the Chattanooga Rescue Mission. Uh, Mike Harold, and this is a mission downtown, and we're pleased with the Lord to be able to support them and help them. They do a good job. Church of the Week is Corvin Road, Baptist in Dayton. Brother David Burkhart, one of our own. We thank God for David, and we appreciate him. And then we've got several in the hospital. Of course, Miss Hubbard, she is now at health care of Fort Oglethorpe in the nursing home there. Uh, Miss Dancer is still at Memorial Hospital. We want to continue to pray for her. She's doing some better, but we still need to lift her up. Reuben Brock. I had to have an arteriogram today, but it uh, was a very small blockage there, and we rejoice in that, and they think we're going to treat it medicine. And he may have went home even this afternoon. Tilly Fletcher is at East Ridge. She's going to be having gallbladder surgery in the morning. And then Luther Jones, is Barbara Jones' husband, he fell, and he had hip replacement surgery this afternoon. And then you notice at the bottom of the page that Miss O'Neill, her grandson's wife, passed away, Megan O'Neill, 
and also Debbie Burke. We mentioned her Sunday. Be praying for her and uh, one of the uh, folks, that, or newer members that began coming uh, right after her father's death, J.W., but uh, Debbie passed away early this morning, and I don't know any of the details yet on her funeral, but we want to remember all of these. I want us all to come and gather around the altar. I know tonight's been different. Yeah, R.J., he has surgery Friday or sometime. He's going to have to have surgery. Okay. Let's remember R.J., and uh, he messed that leg up big time, but let's remember R.J. But uh, yes. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord for that. He said, Father, maybe think Sunday's Father's Day, and there'll be a lot of children coming with their fathers, and maybe some of them are unsaved. And I visited a fellow a couple of weeks ago that uh, said he was going to be here on Father's Day, been praying for. So let's really pray for Sunday. Let's pray that God will speak to hearts on Sunday, on Father's Day. Any other prayer requests just before we come and gather around? Anyone else? All right, let's all come and gather around the altar and let's pray for our Missionary of the Week, our Church of the Week, and for these special needs. And uh, open your heart up to the things that I share with you tonight and begin to be a body, a family, caring about one another and loving one another. You take the initiative and don't wait on someone else to, to be something or to do something. You take the initiative to do it and let that be everywhere you go. Some of you I know are not as outgoing as others, but everybody, everybody, be friendly. And let's let Temple Baptist Church uh, be a friendly church, friendly in many ways. Let's remember Bobby and she cares for... Uh, J.R. So let's remember these. Let's pray, R.J. Father, we thank you tonight for the Lord Jesus. And as we come, Lord, we believe with all of our heart that we can grow. And God, you know our hearts that, that our desire to grow goes beyond just numerical growth. But it's getting people saved, getting them ready for heaven one day. And the more people we can bring in here that get saved is the more people that won't have to go to hell and the more people that will go to heaven. And that's what we want. And Father, we want to see our folk grow. God, I ask you tonight for wisdom. I ask you tonight for uh, give me leadership ability to know what you want to do and what this church needs and the ministries that we need and the classes that we need and the training sessions we need to meet needs in our lives. Help me to know those needs in our church body. Help me to be sensitive to the needs of our folk. And Father, we want to be able to, as a church, to be a place where people can come and know that, that I'm going to be able to go over there and find help. I'm going to be able to go over there and learn. And I'm going to be able to grow spiritually. So, Father, I pray you would, in the weeks to come, put all of these elements together that we need to grow and help us to see them. Father, help us. Let us be friendly. Lord, it's no excuse for a born-again believer to be unfriendly. And it's no excuse for a church of people going to heaven to be unfriendly. So, Lord, help us to be friendly. Lord, may every person in this room tonight catch a vision of being friendly. Friendly when they come in. Friendly, friendliness that, Lord, that becomes actions. It becomes deeds as we reach out to others and we just show people we love them and care about them and help them and meet needs. And, and Lord, just let this church be a friendly church. Lord, we've always been known as a friendly church. And the people come, they find a warm welcome. But, God, we want to go beyond just a warm welcome. We want to go to be friendly as... Being friendly implies in the scriptures. If a man's going to have friends, he must be like a shepherd tending to a flock. And Father, let us be like a shepherd tending to the needs of the people we meet by every day, visitors and new members and all these things. Lord, let us be friendly in that sense. Father, tonight we pray for our church, our missionary of the week. We pray for the Chattanooga Rescue Mission. We pray you bless the work there and their work with the homeless. Brother David Burkhardt, how we thank you for him and Linda. Bless the church there. And then for all of our church family that are sick, Lord, I pray you'd be with each one of them. 
And then for our church family that has lost loved ones, be with them. Minister to every need and meet every need in that life. Now, Lord, we come to you. Let us become a growing church. You know, our motive, and for that reason, we ask you to let us become a growing church. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Be friendly. Soft and don't speak till you run them down. Ha, ha, ha.